Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. And today I'm going to speak to you about a spirit-filled womb. A spirit-filled womb. But the angel said to John, sorry to Zacharias, do not be afraid. For your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you will give him the name John and you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Ghost while he is yet in his mother's womb. Did you hear that? He will be filled with the Holy Ghost while he is yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to their God, for he, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he goes on to say, and he will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Forerunners are filled with the Holy Ghost in their mother's womb. John the Baptist, we said last week, was born in a time of corporate unbelief. For 400 years, as it were, God had not spoken directly to the children of Israel. And John is born in a season where the children of Israel are just covered in this blanket of unbelief. And I shared last week that unbelief is an insidious spirit that penetrates the church and the life of every believer. The issues for many believers is not that we don't have faith because God has given everyone a measure of faith. Our greatest battle is in defining and getting rid of the spirit of unbelief that penetrates our heart. It's like, if you, it's like having a big brick or a stone or a block and it's, from that block there's a string and it's going up to a balloon, a healing balloon and we can't seem to get that balloon to rise. The problem is not that there's, the balloon can't rise, but it's attached to a brick that's holding it down. And much of our progress in the realm of the spirit is not because we don't have a spirit of faith in us, but the problem is that we are weighed down with a spirit of unbelief. And it's in the life of every believer. We shared last week that unbelief comes in through the realm of the flesh, through our natural senses. We are bombarded every day with the realm of the flesh, undermining the work of God, questioning the life of God, questioning miracles, signs and wonders, constantly being bombarded through our natural senses. And it builds up like this toxic uh, mindset that undermines the realm of faith. So when I preach today or other days, you're coming up against a spirit of unbelief in the lives of people. And our job is to break that spirit of unbelief. Now, we said last week, the primary way we deal with unbelief is through fasting. And that's what happened last week when I said that. The same response. Prayer, listen carefully, Prayer enforces the positional truth of my spirit that I am righteous and holy 
loved by God, seated at the right hand of the Father. Every time I pray, when I pray in the Spirit, when I pray, when I worship, I am reinforcing this positional truth that my spirit man is righteous before God. Are you hearing that? And every time I fast, it is reinforcing the positional truth over my life that the flesh is dead. It is crucified with Christ and the flesh no longer rules me, dominates me and controls me. Why is that important? Because unbelief comes in through the doorway of the flesh realm of the senses. And my physical appetite is the, the doorway which unbelief comes through. My physical appetite represents all the fleshly appetites. If I gain control over that, I shut the door to unbelief. And the reason why there's so much unbelief in the church is because there's so much flesh in the church, so much fleshly appetites. And so we open up the door for the enemy to come in and undermine our faith. Forerunners come anointed in the spirit of Elijah to break the spirit of unbelief that has penetrated society. I say to the church today, it's time for all of us to rise up and take authority over unbelief that is in our life. So when Jesus said, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, he wasn't suggesting that. He was calling a mighty army to assemble itself for war. Are you hearing this today? So you're saying I need to give up a meal every now and again? I'm saying to you, you know what? Our forefathers not just gave up a meal, they gave up their lives. So in Luke 1.15, I want to go to that today and it says, John will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine and he will be filled with the Holy Ghost. While in his mother's womb. What a fascinating scripture. I've got some great things to unveil today. When you read the Bible, you can read it on all sorts of levels. You can read it as a total unbeliever and it makes no sense. Unbelievers try to read the Bible like a novel. You can read it as a baby believer and take it at face value and it's great. Historical and truths and wonderful things. But as you progress in the kingdom, God wants you to see what's sitting un un underneath. The kingdom truths that are hidden for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. So as I read this scripture... It's not just about a baby being born in a womb that's filled with the Holy Spirit. But God is unveiling what takes place in the life of a forerunner. In the Bible, women, and as a result of that, the womb of a woman is indicative of the soul of every human being. Men in the Bible are a picture of the spirit realm of every human being. That's interesting. I've told you before, that's the reason why Jesus never healed a woman of blindness. Only men. Because you see with your spirit, not with your soul. Perception doesn't come from the soul. 
It comes from the Spirit. For those that have eyes to see. That's why some people can sit in a message like this and not see. Because they're trying to see with their soul and not their spirit. They're trying to pick up things with their intellect rather than the spirit. The wind blows where it will. So men are a picture. And this is not about men and women, but this is about spiritually as a type. Men are a picture of the spirit. Women are a picture of the soul. That's why God, Jesus healed women of barrenness. Not of sight, but of barrenness. Because the soul is the place that brings to birth that which is seated by the Spirit. Your assignment, your purpose in life is hidden in your spirit. God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you even got perception of who you were, I knew you. And I seeded that into your spirit, and then it was manifested in your soul. Before you see the outworking, something is taking place in the realm of the spirit that is beyond your understanding, Jeremiah. Jesus said, There's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. And everything begins with an encounter spirit to spirit, and then is manifested. In the flesh. Forerunners operate in the spirit realm and it's manifested in their womb. Everything takes place in the realm of the spirit. Satan came to Eve in the garden when she was without Adam, acting independent, alone. And able to be taken out. And if you operate at a soul level, at a fleshly level, you are open game for the enemy to take you out. Her greatest mistake is that she left her husband's side. And when the church operates in the realm of the flesh and tries to extend the kingdom without operating in the spirit, it is no different than. Eve leaving, leaving Adam's side. You can never be deceived if you're operating in the realm of the Spirit. If Adam had been next to Eve, she never would have been deceived. Adam was not deceived, Eve was deceived. So we train our soul to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And it says of John, he was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. And everything that operates in the kingdom first comes spirit to spirit and then is manifested in our womb, the soul. Adam made a great mistake. He listened to his wife. And God came and he confronted him and he said, Who told you that? Why have you heeded the voice of your wife? And forerunners heed the voice of the spirit and not the voice of the flesh. Again, this is not about men and women. This is, this is a spiritual analogy that the church for so long has been heeding the voice of the, spirit, of the 
flesh and the soul and not the voice of the spirit. And the way that we give birth to the things of the spirit is spirit to spirit communication. And then it's manifested in our soul. There's an awareness of what God is doing. It is birthed in our soul, but it's first seeded in the spirit. Is this whole concept underlying this whole concept? Is this what's behind what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34? He said this, let the women keep silent in the church. And we thought, well, obviously it was a historical thing. Women and, and, and men sat in opposite positions in church and they would be calling out. And so we, we see it as a, as a context of what took place in Paul's day. But there's a deeper mystery that Paul is sharing for those that have eyes to see. He's saying, let the women keep silent, church. Don't operate out of the flesh soul realm, but allow the spirit to speak to your spirit. Let the church function at a higher level. And then when you do that, there will be conception in your soul and it will begin to manifest around you. If you have a divine encounter, if the Spirit of God seeds your soul, if your direction comes from the spirit realm, then you'll give birth to the purposes of God. Are you hearing this? For they are not permitted to speak in church. Women... There should be no manifestation of the physical realm, the sense realm for forerunners. Because we are men and women of the spirit. We're not picking up our, our context and our future because of what we can taste and touch and smell. But what is being birthed in the womb of our soul comes out of spirit to spirit communication. Are you hearing this? So what I carry on the inside that I'm beginning to understand about the kingdom and my purpose and my calling is not, is not based on what other people say or what the papers say, but the Spirit of God has quickened me in my womb. In other words, there's been a, there's been a divine coming together of His mind in my spirit and now it's beginning to grow like a baby inside my womb. My soul's beginning to see more and more of what God meant when he created me. Are you seeing this? 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. But the head of woman, of women, is a man. In other words, you've got to come to a place of true spiritual alignment where your soul comes under the headship of your spirit and your spirit comes under the headship of Jesus Christ. There must be an alignment that comes into your life so you can function as a forerunner. And John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. True alignment came. And the problem is that there are too many women, spiritually speaking, that are the head of men. Too many Christians that are functioning at a soulish level and the moment something goes wrong, the soul rears up and takes control and leadership. And that's why he goes on to say that the woman was not created for the man, but 
Sorry, the man was not created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. Your soul was created for the purpose of your spirit and not the other way around. And he says every woman should keep her head covered for the sake of the angels. In other words, he's saying if your soul doesn't come under the dominion of your spirit and listen to what God is saying about you, you will open the doorway for every demonic spirit to come and take control over your life and sabotage the direction of your life. Are you hearing this? He's saying if you don't come under your proper covering and alignment, if you can't perceive what I'm saying to you spirit to spirit, your soul will begin to take its direction from all the forces of this world, from all the input of this world, and you will walk down a wrong pathway and be troubled by every demonic spirit, sabotaged in your life, confused and disappointed. 1 Timothy 2.11 says, Let a woman learn in silence. For I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. So we get all worked up and like women can't teach in church. See it for what he's saying at a deeper level. He's saying, never allow your soul to be the master and the teacher to your spirit and to define the circumstances of your life. Your spirit, man, is to speak to your soul and say, this is how it will be. For we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Our soul is saying, I've got no money to pay the bills. I can't afford to give. Nobody will ever marry me, this and that. But your spirit man says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans of good and not of evil, plans of future and a hope. Get the soul off the preaching roster and put the spirit man back in control. It goes on the same one, Timothy chapter 2. For Adam was formed first and not Eve. Adam was formed first and not Eve. It says, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. If you function in the realm of the Spirit, you will never go off track. Every time you make a wrong decision, a wrong mistake, every time something goes wrong in your life, over and over again, you know that Eve's been in control and not Adam. Because Adam can't be deceived. But the woman will be saved through childbirth. And all the women said, ouch. Well, I don't know how to make sense of that scripture, except to say that the purpose of the soul is to give birth to that which the spirit has impregnated it with. That's the function of the woman, is to give birth to that which it's been impregnated with. Its calling, its function, is to bring into manifestation the encounters of the spirit realm. When the spirit seeds the womb of the soul, the job of the soul is to say yes and amen. And it brings into birth that which is of the spirit. The womb will either bring it into maturity or abort the purposes of the spirit. There must be a yes in the spirit and an amen in the soul. If your soul says, no, I can't believe it, I won't believe it. If Eve comes away from Adam, if Eve begins to assume control, you will never birth the things of the spirit. There must be a divine dance between the soul and the spirit. There must be a wheel within a wheel. There must be a coming together. 
Paul talks about the two becoming one flesh, a husband and a wife. But I speak of a deeper mystery. I speak of Christ and the church where the two come together and there's like this intimacy that happens and the birthing of the kingdom of God. The flesh can never fill the womb. Have a listen to this for a scripture. Genesis 38. Has anyone ever read Genesis 38? It is the most bizarre chapter. We're reading this great story about Joseph and all of a sudden God has a bit of a aha moment and whacks this in. It's like, what are you doing? This has got nothing to do with Joseph. This is the most unusual story about Judah. He goes on a sexual um, promiscuous journey. And so God whacks it in to say, I can use all sorts of people. And then we go back in Genesis 39 to, to the story. But in this Genesis 38, there's this amazing story about Judah and his family. And as I read that, I began to see that the flesh can never, ever fill the womb. If you're operating in the soul realm, if you're trying to get the attention of people, if you're all, always operating wanting to be noticed or, and you're not spending time in his presence, if you're not preoccupied with him and his purpose and his affection and his, his calling and his affirmation, you'll never fill your womb. It'll always be empty. Are you ready? Judah, in verse 38, sorry, verse 8, uh, Genesis 38, verse 8, said to Onan, Judah had a number of sons. His first son's name was Ur. Ur, who's that? Ur, his name means to be awakened. So Judah had said to Onan, which is the second son. Onan's name means strength. It's a picture of natural strength. And he said to him, go into your brother, brother's wife, Ur's wife. Her name was Tamar. Tamar's name mean, meant a palm tree. She's a picture of prosperity. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. It's a picture of the womb. You know, 3 John, uh, is it 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper. So she's a picture of the womb of every believer. Her husband won't make love to her. And God takes him out. So Judah says to the second boy, says, I want you to marry her and raise up an heir for your brother. But Onan knew the heir wouldn't be his. So it came to pass that when he went in to his brother's wife, he emitted on the ground. I know it's a little bit coarse for you, but this is what happened. I want you to think about it from a spiritual perspective now, if you can. Lest he should give an heir to his brother. And this thing displeased the Lord, so the Lord took him out. I read that and I thought this. There are things that the church embraces that will never bring inheritance. She's a picture of the, of the womb. The strength of the flesh will never impregnate the church. Did you hear that? The strength of the flesh, Odan, will never impregnate the church, will never impregnate your womb. For the flesh is looking for pleasure, but not inheritance. 
It's not about filling your womb. If you operate out of the realm of the flesh, out of carnality, out of a soulish mindset, your womb will constantly be emptied and empty with the kingdom of God. I have nothing about the kingdom because the flesh cannot impregnate the womb. The flesh offers pleasure. The flesh offers a degree of comfort. But it'll never impregnate. You'll always have this sense of emptiness because the flesh is not after inheritance. It wants a one-night stand. And it angered God because God is after inheritance. God is after genealogy. God is after children. God wants you to have spirit-to-spirit encounters so your womb comes alive, birthed with the kingdom of God. And the reason God took out all these men is because none of them wanted to impregnate Tamar's womb with the future. So he took them out. And God is really ticked off with anything that would rob you of your future. He's not ticked off with you. He's ticked off with the enemy that comes to deceive God's people into embracing things that look pleasurable but can't birth the things of the Spirit. So Judah, after all the sons that he realizes, I'm not giving this woman any more sons because she's jinxed. You know, every son I give her ends up by dying. So he says, right, that's it. And if you've read the story, it's quite a long story. But in the end, Judah ends up by being tricked and sleeps with Tamar and gives birth. She gives birth to twins. One of the twins, actually, he's coming out last, but at at the last minute, he pulls his brother back and he jumps out. And his name means breakthrough. Judah is a picture of praise. See, that's, that's what should have come into the womb in the first place. When you encounter the Lord, when you begin to engage spirit to spirit, see, Judah's a picture of Holy Ghost encounters. And as Judah comes into your womb, you will always get your breakthrough. There will be something that begins to be birthed on the inside. And forerunners instinctively know that I need an encounter of the Holy Ghost Spirit to spirit, so my womb will come alive with the things of the Spirit. And John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. And today God wants to fill your womb with the things of the Spirit. He wants you to have a Holy Ghost encounter every day where seed is deposited into your soul and the kingdom of God begins to grow and grow and grow and grow because that's what forerunners are. They are filled with the Spirit in their mother's womb. How many people feel some stirring in their wombs today? Acts chapter 3 verse 1. I believe that we're in the day of this where barren wombs are encountering the Holy Ghost. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is three o'clock in the afternoon. Three o'clock in the afternoon is a significant time in the Bible. It's the time where Jesus died. It's the time where Elijah called down fire from heaven. It's a time when Cornelius is praying in the spirit and the angel of the Lord comes to him. It's a time of divine encounter where God shows up in a powerful way. 
And Peter and John are going at this moment and they meet a man who's been crippled from his mother's womb. I want you to know today there's been a lot of, of wombs that have been crippled, that there's nothing, there's, there's no growth, there's no increase. Our wombs are giving birth to things that aren't progressing, they're lame. But you know what? Peter and John come to him and they meet him at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And this word beautiful, listen to what it means. It means this, it, it says it means belonging to the right hour or season. And Peter and John come up to this man at the right time, the right hour, the right season. And they say, silver and gold we don't have, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And I believe that we are in a season where God is sending men and women. We're stirring up the church. There are prophetic, prophetic voices that are being cast out from the left and the right at a right hour, at a right season to awaken the wombs of the church, of God's people. There's a rising up. They've been stagnated. Many people have lost purpose. They've lost a sense of destiny. They've been frustrated. And God's saying, I'm going to stir up your womb again and it's going to begin to walk. There's going to be progress in your life. Amen? Yeah. It's coming alive. And one of the things that God does, that as he seeds our spirit, sorry, as he seeds our soul, there is a working together of the things of the spirit. So the first thing I've said to you today is that he wants to seed your soul through spirit to spirit encounters. And as that seed comes into your soul, then what we begin to do is we begin to proclaim that seed and begin to nurture that seed until it comes to full birth. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good, and per, uh, uh, good acceptable and perfect will of God. The 30, 60, 100-fold word of God. So as, as we begin to be seated with the things of the Spirit into our soul, we begin to allow God to transform us from the inside out. There is a growing, there is a, there is a 30, 60, 100-fold progression and expanding. Sing, O barren woman, you who have not born children, for more are the children of the desolate woman than the children of the married woman. And then he goes on to say, expand, enlarge. And that's what takes place. As our soul, our mind, our will, our intellect, as we begin to perceive what is being showered from heaven into our soul, we begin to nurture that and proclaim what God has seeded in our hearts. So in other words, if God has spoken to you and said, I'm going to make you a multimillionaire or I'm going to make you, I'm going to send you to this nation and you get that seed from spirit to your spirit and you perceive that in your soul, there's been something deposited in your womb. You've had that Judah moment where you've been worshipping and praising and you've heard the Lord. There's been a seed dropped into your womb. You then begin to nurture that seed and bring it from from 
just conception into full term. You begin to proclaim the word of the Lord. You get before him and then you begin to worship him. And all of a sudden this thing comes alive and you nurture that and you declare that. And the more you declare that, the more you nurture it, the greater it will grow inside you. You've got to understand that, that many, many babies are aborted in the womb spiritually because our soul refuses to agree with what the Spirit of God has deposited within us. And as we begin to pray in the Spirit, God begins to transform the way we think. He changes us. We begin to... Paul says, don't neglect the gift that's within you. And the Holy Spirit puts a gift within us. He puts ideas and strategies within us. And we're in a season now, church, where we've got to pick up what the Spirit is depositing into our womb and nurture it and nurture it and nurture it and decree it and decree it. Because you see, God answers prayer two ways. He either gives us an answer or he gives us a promise. He gives us provision or a promise. We pray about something and immediately it occurs or else he gives us a promise in the form of a seed and we nurture that and we nurture it until it comes to full birth. And many people are aborting what's been deposited in their spirit because they've grown frustrated and tired. But I want to say to you today, forerunners, they pick up what has been deposited in their spirit, that which has been deposited by the Holy Ghost. And that's why God shut the mouth of John's father so he wouldn't abort what had been placed in the womb of Elizabeth. And so we begin to say, okay, God, I'm not going to abort that. I'm going to align my mouth with what you're saying in inside me. I'm going to nurture this gift that's been placed in my womb. I'm going to rejoice over it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it out and speak it out because my words are spirit and they are life. My words will manifest like the word was manifested in John 1. As I decree this thing that you put inside me, it will grow and grow and grow and one day it'll come out. And you may be barren here today, but I want to encourage you that God always uses barren women to birth sons that transform times and seasons. Did you hear that? Always. God always uses barren women to birth sons. Do you know there are seven Women in the Bible that were barren. Seven. And they all gave birth to sons. Not daughters, sons. Did you hear that? Oh, that's just coincidence. No. Because when you're barren and you begin to encounter the Holy Ghost in a new way, what you birth will be your inheritance. Because sons are a picture of inheritance. Barren women give birth to an inheritance. And what God's going to do in you in this season is not just about you, but it's about it is a gift to this city and to this nation. Each one of those seven women gave birth to a son that redefined the kingdom in their time. Sarah, she's barren. 
She cries out to God for a son, for her inheritance, and God gives her Isaac. And Isaac becomes a picture of sonship, not just to his time, but to every believer that would follow, that we would get a revelation that God is Abba, Father, and we are the sons of God, both men and women, called to be adopted as sons. Out of her barrenness, she gave birth to an inheritance that would totally shift all of the world from that day forward. I want to suggest to you that in your barrenness, as you cry out to God, He will, spirit to spirit, deposit something into your soul that if you will nurture it, will redefine the city, the family, wherever you are. It will redefine everything. Because that's what God specializes in. He comes to barren women and He births something in them. And every barren woman in the Bible gives birth to a boy, to a son that radically changes his world. That's exciting. Sing, O barren woman. Open up your spirit again because I'm about to do more in you than in the womb of the married woman who doesn't need a miracle. Think of Rebecca. She can't have a son, a child. She cries out to God. And God gives Rebekah Jacob or Israel, the prince of God, a nation of people come out of the womb of this woman who is so desperate for a child. And she cries out and God gives her Jacob, one that wrestles with God and prevails and goes from a deceiver to a prince with God. Imagine that. Out of the womb of your barrenness that God gives birth to, to such a kingdom expression of ruling and reigning with God. Could it be? Out of the disgrace of where you find yourself, that as you cry out to God, He seeds something from His heart to your heart. Think of Rachel. She's barren. And out of her barrenness, God gives her Joseph. One that sees in the spirit, a dreamer. One that's able to see things to come. Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Think of that out of your barrenness. God opens up a new dimension where you are able to see in the spirit. And your inheritance is a gift to the world that God begins to unveil what he wants to do in this city. Oh, this city needs men and women that can see into the future, that know what God is about to do. They're not just, not just playing in the shallows, but true prophetic voices that say, this is the way that we're going. Like Joseph, who rises up before the king and says, I don't even need to know your dream. I'll tell you the, the dream and the interpretation of dream. I can see it all because God has opened my eyes. And it came because a woman that was barren inside cried out to God for an encounter with him and God birthed something in her soul that she carried within her and she, she faithfully carried and gave birth to. Think about Samson's mother. We don't know her name, but we know that she gives birth to a deliverer. One man 
who takes out an entire realm of the Philistines. Even though he's blinded, he becomes the deliverer of a nation. Imagine if God did that in your womb, that you gave birth to a realm of deliverance. See, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he's anointed us to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the oppressed free, to open the prison doors. What would happen if you got alone with God and he began to breathe by his Spirit into your womb, an anointing to deliver the oppressed? How many people come to church every week demonized? How many people do we meet down the street tormented? And we carry this newfound anointing to deliver the oppressed because something's been birthed in our womb. Because we said, God, you know, I, I don't want to be barren the rest of my life. I don't want to walk around with, with an encounter with some, some fleshly thing that's, that's given me a sense of pleasure but left me vacant inside. I don't want to be barren. I don't want to have an empty womb. These women got desperate before God and said, only you can fill my womb. What about Hannah? She gives birth to Samuel. Again, in a whole time when the word of the Lord was rare, she gives birth to a, ma- a boy, a son, who grows up to be a man that not one word that came out of his mouth dropped to the ground. Every word that he spoke was fulfilled. When he walked into a room, the people would tremble under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What would happen if you gave birth to such an anointing that when you walk in a room, people tremble under the presence of God, under the conviction of the Spirit of God, because you birthed something inside you in that secret place. The Shunammite woman, she's the sixth one. Her name means the double resting place. And it's interesting because she invites Elisha into her life, a man that carries a double anointing, a double anointing that comes to rest on a woman that has said, I am the double resting place. She's hungry for an encounter with God and God gives her a son. That son dies Elisha knows what to do because his predecessor, that he's walking in his anointing, Elijah, had the same thing happen. And he laid on the boy three times and he came back to life. So Elisha does the same thing. But this time, the boy sneezes seven times and comes up. That is a picture of the seven mountains that God wants to install or give to the church. So the Shulamite woman gives birth to a boy that has a mandate to take the seven mountains. She is anointed by God and she cries out because she's barren inside and she stands at the doorway of the prophet. The doorway is a portal and the prophet declares to her, this time next year, you're going to have a boy. And so she has this boy and he, he's, he's, he's anointed by God to take all the mountains of society. Imagine if what you birthed inside you began to shake the mountain of government, education, business, family, on and on it goes. Imagine if you got before the Lord and he so stirred up your spirit and encounters with him that you began to wake up with strategies how to take the church out of a place of insignificance and place it on all the mountains of society. 
So he wants to speak to barren wombs. He's looking for someone that says, Lord, I'm tired of one night stands. I'm tired of people coming or things offering me pleasure, but they leave me empty inside. That's when I'm tired of just watching TV every night and waking up and nothing's changed. I want to carry your kingdom in me. And this is what John the Baptist, he was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. He came out ready to rock. And the seventh woman is Elizabeth. And she gives birth to John. He is a man that even before he's born, he recognizes Jesus. All of Israel saw visibly Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, and they did not perceive him. And here's a boy even in his mother's womb. Jesus walks in, in embryo form into the house, and John begins to rock and roll. He wants to break out of the womb. He's like, let me out of here. Because he picked up that Jesus was in the house, in embryo form. All the Jews, they couldn't see it when he was physically there, healing the sick, raising the dead. They wanted to crucify him. But John, in his mother's womb, is so sensitive that the moment Jesus comes in, in the most minute form, John begins to shake. Imagine if you gave birth in your womb to a son like that. They're so sensitive to the movement of the Spirit. So sensitive to the things of, that, that touch the heart of Jesus. You're so in tune with the movements of Jesus. What's on your heart today, Lord? So many people are praying prayers about their needs, their agendas, their passion. But what's the passion on the heart of Jesus? When you walk in, I want my heart to come alive. What is stirring you today? Imagine if you give birth to a spirit like that. This sensitivity, this ability to say, I've been with him and I know what's on his heart. I recognize what Jesus is doing. I'm not going blindfolded, but I see. God uses barren women to birth sons. And I want to say to you today, the anointing of the forerunning spirit is this ability to continually have our wombs filled with the spirit of God. And every part that's barren just gets filled. Every part that's barren keeps getting filled. John was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. And I want to say to you today that God desires to fill your womb. There's a lot of people walking around in the kingdom with empty wombs. A lot of noise, but their wombs are empty. They're not carrying God They've had a lot of one-night stands and they can talk about pleasure, but there's no seed inside them. They make up a whole lot of stuff, but they're not carrying the real deal. And God wants you to get to that place where you allow him to seed his mind and his purpose for your life. Where you get alone with him and you shut the door and you say, Lord, let's go on a honeymoon. I want you to... Fill me again. Seed me again. Seed me again. Seed me again. 
Encounter me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Let it be spirit to spirit communication. Fill my womb and teach me how to nurture the things that you've given me. Some of you may have aborted ideas that God has given you. You know, our God is such a good God. He'll come back and revisit the places that we've aborted and he'll fill us afresh. He'll bring hope again to the areas that we've given up on. That's why God would send the prophets over and over and over and over again. And it seems like they were saying the same word because our God is a merciful God. He'll all came back, come back with the same encounters, the same words, because he is desperate to fill empty wounds. He wants to fill you more than you want to be filled. And that's why he kept sending one prophet after another because they were a picture to God's people that I want to seed you again with the purpose of heaven. So we open up our barrenness, our soul to you, and we say, Lord, fill us afresh. Spirit to spirit encounters, and let your purpose grow deep within our soul. We ask in the name of Jesus. We give you our soul. We say, fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us, we pray with the mind of heaven, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Why don't you do that today? Open up your heart and say, Lord, speak to me afresh today. Speak to me afresh. Speak to me afresh. Like John, let me be filled with the Spirit in my mother's womb. I will not leave this place today unless I know that that you are filling me, that your seed is coming alive within me. I am desperate to be filled afresh today with new revelation, new understanding. Lord, fill me today. Fill me today. Fill me today. Fill me, fill me, fill me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. Did you hear that? John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. Something began to grow inside his mother. It was John. He was growing and growing. The kingdom of God was at hand. He was growing and growing and growing. And God wants to fill you. He would say to some of you today, you've been satisfied with things that have promised to fill you, but they are leaving you more and more and more empty inside and even this last week, there have been those that have cried out and said, why do I feel so empty inside when I am a believer, when I'm a child of God? And the reason is, is because you've allowed yourself to make love to the things that can't fill you. And its seed is emitted on the ground. It can never fill you. It can never birth the inheritance that belongs to you. And God is calling you again to reconnect with his spirit. And he says, as you do that, as deep calls the deep, I will fill the soul, the womb of your soul with the purposes of heaven. And that which you long for shall come and grow within you. So I ask, Father, fill your people. Fill your people. Fill the womb of their soul with divine revelation. In the name of Jesus. 
And Lord, as I pray now, let the seed of your spirit come now and fill them. Fill them in Jesus' name. And as our spirit aligns with his spirit, there is a release of the sperm of heaven. And as that comes, the mind of God begins to form within our soul. And the kingdom of God begins to grow and grow and grow and grow inside us. So do that today, Lord. I ask over the heart of every person today that you would fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them. I don't know if you recognize what's going on now, but God is wanting to fill people. You can shut your womb to him and turn off and say, what a crazy message. Or you can open your heart and say, God, fill me, fill me. Fill every empty area. Let your purpose come, Lord. Turn this barren woman into a woman that gives birth to a son that shapes the world. Sing, O barren woman, for more are the children of the barren woman. Sing, encounter me again, and I will fill your womb over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'll give you more children than you've ever seen. Jesus. So we ask, fill us now. See, this is a natural outcome of God the Father and his people in love with each other. In the secret place, he fills us. So do that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Don't resist him. Don't resist him. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to fill you. Allow him to fill you. Thank you, Lord. So I just want you to say before we close, though, just tell me you receive. Just begin to talk to him now. I receive you, Lord. I receive your seed. I receive today. I receive, I receive, I receive. I will posture myself this week to receive divine encounters from you. I receive. Come on, church, lift up your voice now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I receive from you. Hallelujah. When we pray in the Spirit, there is divine encounters that are unlocked. He begins to seed the mysteries of heaven into our spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 